I know for a fact he's been entertaining the idea. And so, uh, and, and that just never occurred to me. Uh, but I'm glad that worked out for them. And I'm so excited that in a, about a month, there'll be a, there'll be a grandbaby, right? And I can, I can, Grandpa's smiling, and uh, so there'll be a grandbaby. And so, amen, and we're thankful for that. It's so good to be with Brother and Sister Zabulci and, and this church. It, I was thinking last night, it just occurred to me, I was doing some work around the house, and all of a sudden, I don't know why, it just, I just remembered, it was 30 years ago in June, so this month, that I preached for the first time right here in Belleville. And I wouldn't blame you for not remembering. It was terrible. And uh, really was bad. And and I preached Sunday morning, and, and they let me go ahead and preach that night. I'm sure everybody endured it and thought, why in the world did they have this guy back, Sister Switzer? It was scheduled. That's why. <laughs> it's so, Brother Switzer had nothing else prepared. And... Uh, Thank you for that ringing endorsement, Sister Switzer. I appreciate it. And it, it, it could not have been so horrific. I did get invited back again, and so it couldn't have been so horrific. I remember we went to Pizza Hut down here and ate afterwards. I, I remember that. I remember they gave me my check the next day, and uh, I felt like I was walking in tall cotton. I mean, I went and cashed that check and went to the mall, and I bought a pair of pleated blue jeans. And... Uh, Pleated <laughs> blue jeans. What were people thinking? And uh, so, my goodness. Well, it. I don't have any pleated blue jeans anymore, but uh, I'm thankful to still be able to come and preach in Belleville. I know that it's already getting uh, on into the evening, and um, I wanted to share with you from the Word of the Lord tonight. I think it's something simple, but I've, been, I've preached it to my church a few times, actually, this thought a few times uh, already this year, and I want to share with you tonight just a thought here uh, about entering into the presence of the Lord, entering into the presence of the Lord. Uh, I'm so thankful we are coming out of the last couple of years, but what, and, and maybe you haven't experienced this, but what I noticed was because of all the things we did, uh, we didn't have altar calls for a long time. We, all these things these, we did during the last couple of years, it affected the church. And then when we finally came back together, um, there was just this missing element. Something just wasn't quite connecting the way I thought it should, at least, where I pastored. Now, I know this great church had no problems. But where I pastored, there was something just not connecting. And one day it dawned on me is uh, we are so used to just kind of you know, kind of closing in here that we have forgotten how to reach out and just touch the Lord and receive and uh, enter into His presence uh, the way we know to do, right? We've just kind of conditioned ourselves. And so I just want to talk to us for a few moments tonight along that lines. In fact, I'll set my timer so that I don't preach too long. Uh, doesn't really mean anything, but it makes me feel good. So good to see the Lewises tonight. I had the pleasure of pastoring them for several years, and it's so good to uh, see them tonight. And I know you drove all this way just to see me, and so I appreciate you uh, doing that. Amen. Sister Switzer, I was hoping you'd be here tonight. It is so, it's a joy to see you. It's always a joy 
to see you, and I love you and admire you. And I've told the story many times, but I remember being a young man in Illinois coming to camp, and the switchers would pull up, and they would get out of their car, and they would be walking into the tabernacle. And I just timed out a few times that I happened to just pull in at the same time. And every time I would see them, I thought, man, they are a class act. They were, you, I know. I hope you'll lay a man like this in a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? I didn't hear. I'm, I'm old and deaf now, Sister Switzer. What now? Oh, okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I just turned 50, and my hearing is going. My knees hurt when I stand up. All those things. You know, so. But they were such a class act, and uh, I've always admired and respected and appreciated the Switzers so much. And as a young man, I looked at them and thought, that's, that's the way ministry ought to carry itself, uh, with that kind of dignity and character. And, uh, and so I've always appreciated the Switzers. Amen. Well, let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us and just receive something from His Word tonight, all right? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house one more time. I pray that for the next few moments, Lord, you would help us to open your word and receive from it something that would encourage us, challenge us, and help us. Uh, Help us to grow, help us to, to be closer to you, more intimate with you, Lord. These are trying times that we're starting to live in. And, Lord, what we need is to know how to get into your presence. For in your presence is a fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we need to be able to get into your presence and receive that joy and find that pleasure that comes from you. We ask help us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Well, I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving, praise, and worship tonight. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And I would suggest to you that Thanksgiving, when we talk about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is where we acknowledge God's goodness. Thanksgiving is the place we acknowledge the goodness of God. Praise is where we acknowledge the greatness of God. And worship is where we acknowledge the holiness of God. Thanksgiving, we acknowledge His goodness. Thank you for the food on my table. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the nice vehicle that I drove here in. Thank you for waking me up in my right mind this morning. I'm thankful and I am thanking you and acknowledging the good things that you are bringing into my life, the good gifts, God, that you have added to my life. I want to thank you for that. Praise, I begin to acknowledge his greatness. You are all powerful. You are all knowing. You are the creator of all things. There is nothing too hard for you. You rule and reign above all other things. At the mention of your name, even the demons begin to tremble and fear. You are great and you are greatly to be praised. Praise is where I acknowledge his greatness. And then worship. 
Worship is where I acknowledge his holiness, his uniqueness, his set-apartness, this, this thing that is unidentifiable with anything else in creation. You cannot identify God's holiness with anything else in creation unless God himself puts that holiness or identity upon them. Okay? And so those are the three simple things I want to share with you. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 28. In the New King James, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let us have, interesting it says, let us have grace. The New Living Translation actually says it this way. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. The Greek uh, word to have grace, this Greek word that's translated to have grace is the word charis. Now I don't... I may be a little off in my pronunciation, but charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. Charis means to say thank you. So the writer says, let us have grace, but that phrase, let us have grace, means let us say thank you. To say grace before a meal is to what? Thank you. That's the way we say thank you. In modern Greek, thank you is uh, the word eucharisto, which is related to grace. Eucharisto, it's also a word that's related to grace. So let us say thank you. Thanks and grace go hand in hand. In fact, I would just suggest that the, one of the reasons they go hand in hand is if I am not thankful, I will eventually cut myself off from the grace of God. And if I am not thankful for the things he's done, I will fail to have grace for other people. That word grace simply means special favors, all it really means. I know that there's all kinds of ideas, but the simplicity of it is God had special favor on Noah. God had special favor on Mary. They found grace. He had special favor upon them. That's it really, that's all it simply means. Don't get too deep with it. That's all it means. They had special favor or special uh, uh, something special from Almighty God. That's what he had for them. And so when I am an unthankful person, I am separating myself from the grace of God, but if I'm an unthankful person, it is almost impossible for me to have grace for other people. If I'm living an unthankful life, that causes an attitude in me that becomes selfish. It causes an attitude in me that becomes self-centered. And therefore, it is almost impossible for me to learn to have mercy on you and compassion on you and to look past your faults and think good thoughts for you and hope good things for you. It's almost impossible for me to do that because I'm not living a life that is filled with thankfulness. But on the contrary, a life that is filled with thankfulness 
A life that every day is coming to God and saying, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for every good thing that you're doing in my life. Every good gift that you have given to me. The clothes on my back. Again, the house, the food, the car, the health, the whatever it is, Lord. I want to say thank you because I know that all of this is not of anything that I have done, but it truly is the grace of Almighty God. It truly is the goodness of Almighty God. Lord, I I know where I was. I, I talk. I look at my own life growing up and here. And, uh, I didn't grow up in Centralia. I grew up outside of Centralia before Salem in a little place called Raccoon Township. And growing up in Raccoon Township where the only thing was the school and there was nothing else, growing up there in almost abject poverty, in the winter we would close off lots of the house so that we didn't run out of propane. And we would simply sometimes in the winter sleep in the living room in the kitchen area we would heat with the stove just because we didn't want to use all that energy because we couldn't afford the propane that it was going to take I grew up very poor but then I look where God has brought me to and the good things that God has put into my life and the blessings I remember as a kid sitting and looking at a globe that my grandmother had bought me as a child and dreaming of all the exotic places around the world and then when I pause and think that God has taken me to Europe and to Africa and to Asia and to the South Pacific and to Central America and South America and the Caribbean all over 49 of the 50 states God has taken me to to either do ministry or just to maybe go see the place and God has been good to me. How can I do anything less than take a time and say thank you if it had not been for the Lord on my side, if it had not been for the goodness of God I wouldn't have the good things I have I wouldn't have experienced the good things I've experienced. Hallelujah. Right now I'm having a problem because right? I mean so I this is like the only jacket left. I'm too fat for all of them. And 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 but that's the goodness of God. Now we laugh, but the truth is other people in the world don't have this problem. But I've, I've got this problem because God has been good to me. God has shown favor to me. And so I come and I say thank you. But here's the thing. When I start living in that attitude of thankfulness, when I walk in here week after week, and I don't have to be prompted, I don't have to be primed, but I walk in here with an understanding. It's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God. It's the You know what happens then? It is and hard for me to turn around to somebody else less fortunate, somebody else that is struggling, uh, somebody else that is in a challenging season in their life and say, you know what? God has been good to me. Now let me be a channel for God to be good to you. Uh, God has blessed me. Uh, now let me be a channel for God to bring a blessing to you. Why? Because I'm, going to, I'm receiving grace from God. I'm receiving favor from God and I'm going to give favor from God. I'm going to be thankful. Oh, I don't know about you. The Lewises have heard me, and Hannah, they've heard me tell this many times probably, but, but there, there's, there's hardly a week, if ever, that goes by that I don't find myself, because I remember as an evangelist living out of the trunk of my car, living on the good graces of wherever I preached. I remember the first time I preached here, staying in the little house that you, well, it wasn't a small house, I guess, but it, staying in the house that used to stand behind the church and sleeping there, and I remember that, and the times I've slept in this quarters as well, but, 
the living out of the good graces of others and hotel rooms and, and, and having nowhere that I own to lay my head. And yet God has been so good to me and so kind to me. And I've got a beautiful place, more than one now because of the goodness of God, beautiful homes that I can lay my head in and rest. And that's the favor and the goodness of God. So I come and every at least once a week I find myself just in a season of saying, Lord, I want to thank you. Because I never want to take for granted these good things. I want to always acknowledge that I know that if it had not been for you, I would have not had these things. If it had, because I know where I started, and if it hadn't, and I see where the rest of my family is today. And it, God, if it had not been for you, God, I, I wouldn't have received all this. This is the goodness of God. An unthankful person is a person not receiving. Uh, not is not giving grace. Uh, it's not giving grace to others, and they're blocking grace from God. In fact, it's interesting. I don't speak French. I took it in school. I still don't speak it. But uh, I, French, grace à douce. Maybe somebody speaks French. Melissa, I think maybe you speak. But I don't know how to the right pronunciation. But grace à douce. It means uh, thanks to God. Grace. In Italian, the word for thank you is grazie. Grace. In Spanish, the word for thank you is gracias. Grace. Grace and thankfulness are tied together. So let me just encourage you before I move on to my next point. Let me just encourage you. If you're not practicing it right now in your daily life, in the season that we are coming to in this world right now, you need to learn to start practicing a thankful attitude because that may be the only thing that gets you through whatever we're getting ready to go through in this old world is the fact that, God, I'm acknowledging your grace and your kindness. I'm saying thank you because, you know what, whenever gasoline does whatever it's going to do and inflation's going to do whatever it's going to do. What I need in this season is not assistance from a government. I need something from Almighty God. I need the help of Almighty God in my life to get me through what I'm getting ready to go through. Thanksgiving, we acknowledge His goodness. In fact, maybe just for about 30 seconds, you could slip up your hands and say, Lord, I want to thank you. Is there anybody anything to be thankful for? Maybe you just want to tell him, Lord, I'm thankful for something here. Whatever it is, just tell him I'm thankful. God, I'm so thankful. That's it. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for my family. Thank you for a place to lay my head. I thank you for food on my table. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. In thanksgiving, we acknowledge his goodness. In praise, we acknowledge his greatness. His greatness. In fact, praise is eternal in its origin. Praise is eternal. We can see it in heaven before everything else was made. I would suggest to you that praise is the occupation of angels. Praise is the occupation of angels because because they 
uh, live and they enjoy the uninterrupted access to God himself. Let me say that again. Angels have uninterrupted access to God. And praise is their occupation. Uninterrupted access requires uninterrupted praise. When I limit my praise, I limit my access. But you can see, and I'm not going to go through all of it tonight, but you can go to the Word and find out the angels just continuously are saying, holy, holy, holy. They're crying one to another. Why? Because we're always in His presence. And in His presence, what else can I do but praise Him? Praise has been part of this whole thing since the beginning. Job, Job chapter number 38, verse number 4, Job chapter 38 Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you were there. Tell me if you have understanding. Now watch verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God says, when I laid the foundations of this earth, when I just begin to speak and lay the foundations of this earth, the angels begin to shout for joy. They begin to praise because I was doing this great, this wasn't just a good thing, this was a great thing. I was showing my power. Nobody else can create, God says, except me. I'm the only one that can create anything. And when I began to create this earth, the angels who were looking on, who knew they didn't have the power to create anything, those angels, as they watched, they just began to shout for joy, watching as I created everything. In other words, the creation of the earth begins with praise in the heavens. And as the followers of God, what less could we, how much less should we do than to continue to praise right here on earth the great and magnificent works of God? Do you know the Bible says that the angels desire to look into things that God is doing in our lives that the angels cannot even understand? If they would shout with praise at the creation of dirt. Now listen, seriously. If the angels would shout with praise at the creation of dirt, how much more should we shout with praise at the salvation of dirt? <laughs> right? If the angels start singing and shouting together because he made the dirt, how much more should we come in here and lift our voice and begin to praise his greatness and his wonders and his gloriousness and his kindness and his blood and his name and his cross and his omnipotence and his omniscience and all of that? How much more should I begin to praise him because he saved this old thing that was made from the dirt that the angels got so excited about? I walk in here and I just begin to praise him. I begin to dance and I begin to sing and I begin to praise his greatness. Praise is how we relate to God as a king on his throne. Psalms 22 verse 3, but you are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. 
The Japanese Bible actually <clears throat> says it like this. It says, uh, when we begin to praise him, we build a giant throne for God to sit on. That's how the Japanese translation says it. When we begin to praise him, we build a giant throne for God to sit on. Now, when I look at it from that point of view, and everything starts going wrong in my life, it isn't hard for me to pause and say, I prom-. now I know it's cliche, I understand, I've been in Pentecost all my life, I understand it's cliche, but there's some truth to it. When all hell begins to break loose, that's not the season to curse God and die. That's maybe the season to say, I'm going to start praising him for his greatness. I'm going to start praising him for his wondrous power. I'm going to start praising him for his mighty acts. I'm going to start praising him for his excellent kindness. Why? Because I'm in the midst of a trial right now and what I need to do in the middle of this trial is I need to build a great big throne for God to come and inhabit because if I can get God in this place, I can say let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. How do I get him in this house? How do I get him in my life? How do I get him in the midst of this? I begin to magnify him. I begin to praise him. Oh, you are mighty. You are wonderful. You are glorious. You are perfect. There is no God like you. You created everything and nothing exists except that you created it. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Excellent and wondrous are you in all of your ways. You are a healer. You are a deliverer. You are a savior. You forgive sins. You deliver from bondage. You will raise up the brokenhearted. You will give recovery of sight to the blind. You will open prison doors. Just begin to praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It's a progression. I start with thanksgiving. Now just watch. I want to get into his presence But before I can just walk into his presence, I have to enter with thanksgiving. You can't just come any old way. Now, I understand in 2022, it's a very casual world. Huh? I go out sometimes and I think, what are these people thinking? Forget forget church and holiness, forget all that. Just decency and decorum, right? It's such a casual world. And, and we, we, we are taught to disrespect people in authority. We are being taught more and more to disrespect the institutions of authority. They're just, just treat them casually. huh? But if you want to come into God's presence, he says you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. See, let me, let me say this very quickly and I'll move on. I just wonder how often we don't get our prayers answered because we don't come into his presence properly. 
I wonder how often we stand outside of the gates and we stand outside of the courts and we say, Hey, I need some stuff. And the king sitting on his throne in, in his inner sanctum is sitting there going, I hear some voices on the outside. They know my name, but I don't know who they are. We cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. We raise the dead in your name. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You never came into my presence. You just knew how to use my name. You, you, you. I'm sorry. It's Bible study. I know. I got to be nice, but. Huh? People stand over here and they want to treat God so casually. If I scream loud enough, he should just be glad I'm talking to him. And yet the psalmist says, if you really want to get into his presence, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Then after that, you enter into his courts with praise. You come in saying, thank you. And then you begin to magnify how wonderful he is. When you look at him, you think, he is glorious. He is beautiful in all his ways. He does everything well. Oh, how, how marvelously wise he is. How, how excellent is his goodness. How extravagant is his love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and gave himself for us and Stay with me this evening. Oh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Now watch, he goes on. If you read that fourth verse, he says, he, he, the last little bit, he sums it up again. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That word bless simply means start shouting how good his name is. And name doesn't just mean the name. It means everything that comes with that name. The healing, the deliverance, the salvation, the forgiveness. the See, I preach this to our church because I realize that coming out of the season we're coming out of. Can I, can I, I need to move quick here, don't I? See, here's what I found out. Now, we got a good church. I'm thankful for my church. Pray for us. We're, we're trying to buy a 500-seat a auditorium and, and move into a much larger facility. And, and so we just need the help of the Lord here because... Working with banks is really, whew. so, no offense intended, uh, but uh, it's been a challenge, man, I'm telling you. No, it's really not. i got a great banker. He's, doing an, he's, he's become my friend, and I'm believing I'm going to win him. Uh, in fact, pray for that more than anything else because I really believe we've become friends. And, um, but anyway, what I realized was while people were locked up at home, away from the house of the Lord, they got onto the Internet and they started paying people for personal private prophecies. Does anybody even know what I'm talking about when I say that? Because you got these false prophets out here that are saying, if you'll give Venmo me $100 and I'll give you a personal prophecy from God. No, you won't. No, you won't. That's called witchcraft. So you might give me a prophecy, but it ain't from God. That's witchcraft. In fact, I believe it's Micah. 
oh, chapter 13 or chapter 10, I can't remember, makes a statement. He says, you priests have filled Jerusalem with blood and you prophets, you are after filthy gain. He tells them all that he's going to do to them. And this, this was going on. And so people, see, they're sitting at home and they're afraid and they're scared. I can, am I, is this okay? Uh, I love the church. I want the church to succeed. And people are at home and they're afraid and they're scared. And, and I, I'm trying to be kind here, but the problem was the church behaved just like the world during COVID. You couldn't tell the difference. They were equally afraid. That's right. Get quiet on me. That's fine. I don't know. I've, I've been preaching for 30 years. I'm fine. So I, I, I've got my fill. Uh, we behaved just like the world. We were afraid like the world. We trembled like the world. We, and, and so people got home and they're on the line. They're paying for these private prophecies. They're getting into astrology. They're looking at their horoscopes. They're, all of that's demonic. They're playing around with all this kind of stuff. Well, when what they should have been doing in the midst of that was, I don't even know how I got started on that actually, but praising him and magnifying him and exalt, stop looking to the things the world looks to, right? I'm sure I was really going to a great point when I started on that, brother, but I forgot what it was mid-sentence, so maybe you did some of what I just preached and maybe you need to repent. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then the third point. So thanksgiving, praise, and the third point is worship. Psalms 95 and 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Can I just tell you that singing means singing? And I know this is really deep, <clears throat> but shouting means shouting. Right? Sing and shout. It's okay to shout to the Lord. <laughs> sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. It's praise. I'm praising Him for salvation. Psalms 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He says, if you're going to praise him, you ought to do it according to how he's worthy to be praised. Great is the Lord, therefore he is worthy to be greatly praised. Not great is the Lord, give him a little bit of praise. Right? Great is the Lord, maybe a little tad of praise today. Just a smidge of praise today would be good for the Lord that's not what he says. He says you ought to praise him according to his greatness. So however great he is, that ought to be the level of your praise. Well, I'll move on because I'm running out of time. Let us come before his, verse 3 of chapter 95, or verse 2 rather of chapter 95. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout Joyfully, joyfully to him with psalms. There it is, thanksgiving and praise. There's a pattern here, a progression. 
Four, why are we doing this? Why are we giving thanks? Why are we praising Him? Verse 3, for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. For the sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Praise acknowledges the greatness of God. So we praise Him because He is a great God. We praise Him because He's a great King above all gods. We praise Him because, like the little child's song sings, He holds the whole world in His hands. He made everything. His hands formed everything. And so we loudly and jubilantly and excitedly praise Him. Because he is the mighty creator. Is this okay this evening? And we praise him because of his mighty creation. In fact, you say, I don't have anything to praise God for. That list I just gave you is enough. You say, I don't have anything else in my life. God hadn't done anything for me to praise him for. Then praise him because he's a great God, because he's the great king above all gods, because he made the earth, because he holds it in his hands. Just praise him for that then. Just for that. Now watch as we come to a close here. Verse 6. So thanksgiving and praise and now. Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Thanksgiving and praise had to do with utterances. Thank you. You're awesome. Their utterances. I speak my thanksgiving. I speak my praise. But when it comes to worship, it's not about the utterance. It's about my attitude. And I will tell you, being raised in this all my life, uh, we know how to thanks. We definitely know how to praise. But it is a challenge sometimes to find people that are willing to worship. Because worship many times is done in silence, and we don't like silence. It's true. The Pentecostals do not like silence. We don't. We like loud music. We want the drums going. We want it fast. We want the preacher screaming. We want all this. It's the truth. In silence, we get nervous. Come on, do something else, because how am I supposed to feel anything unless there's a noise to it? And Huh? You know, it's interesting. We, we, you probably grew up singing. I grew up singing. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Right? Isn't it interesting? That's good for angels. But not for us. We're happy to sing that the angels should get on their face before God. But me? Get on my face before God. I'll shout. I'll dance, I'll run, I'll say thank you, but you want me to get on my face? You want me to lay down on the floor before God? We love to sing about the angels doing it, not so much us. And I admit, the older I get, <laughs> it's more challenge to get back up. <laughs> it's the truth. 
I told somebody the other day, I said, I turned 50 in January. My ears started, well, they've been going for a while. But my knees, I come down, literally like the 1st of January, I'm coming downstairs like, oh, what happened? Oh, my God, these knees, what is going And I'm, I've got, I even went to the doctor. My knees, doc, something's going on. My knees, for real, I went to the doctor and he said, you're getting old. <laughs> getting old. We'll send you an orthopedic. He said, we'll send you to the orthopedic guy, but just old. And knees go. Come and let us worship. Let us bow down. It's not about my utterance. Worship is about my attitude. I want to bow before you. Let us kneel down and let us bow down. I don't have time tonight, but we could go throughout much of the Old Testament and we can show you, I could show you again and again when the words are tied together with. They bowed, they knelt, they even prostrated themselves, and over and over it says, and they worshiped. They worshiped. They were worship is specifically tied to the action of humbling myself physically before God. Holiness. What do we worship him for? For his holiness. Holy worship is where we acknowledge the holiness of God. What does that mean? I know we spend time trying to define it and explain it and put all these things to it, but the fact is, in its most simple form, holiness is all of the characteristics and attributes of God. That's that's holiness, right? All that He is, that's holiness. Holiness is the thing that is set apart. God is the one who is set apart. There's none like him. He has no comparable. He has no equal. No match. In fact, when he created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. How does he know that? Because God is alone. There is no one like him. See, I can understand wisdom. When I say God's wise, I can understand some of that a little bit at least. Because I know some wise people. Brother Sabolchi is a wise man. I know some wise people. And so I have a point of reference when I say God is wise. Well, I'm comparing it even, and I don't mean offensively, even with its limitations compared to God, I have at least some understanding. Right? I can say God is good because I, I, I know some good people. I can say God is great. I know some people that I think are great people. I can say God is powerful and I have an understanding because I understand the power of a bomb or I understand the power of a political officer. I understand the power of the IRS. We love you, by the way. We're so thankful for the IRS. And, but I understand the power of the thing, right? <laughs> I understand it. And, and, but when I say God is holy... I have nothing to compare it to. There's nothing for me to compare the holiness of God to. The absolute uniqueness of all that He is, there's nothing for me to put it on a scale with. I can't weigh it with anything. It just simply, uh, I'm almost done, I promise. If I laid it on a scale, it just simply exhausts everything else. 
there's nothing that, there's nothing. And he's holy. He's holy. We worship him in the beauty of holiness. I have no earthly example of what it means to be holy. The only things that we might attribute, so parts of the tabernacle were holy. The only reason they were holy is because they were set apart for his service. It was about him, not them. He's the holy thing. And it was the fact that they were set apart for him and he touched them, however you want to acknowledge that. He, that's what made them special. But it was him, not them. There was no attribute within them. The church may be holy, but it's only holy because of its relationship to Him. Not anything the church does, right? We don't bring anything to the table. We just simply are recipients of His all in all. And when we begin to get revelation of that, if somebody would just want to come and help me just for a second. When we begin to get a revelation of that, then the correct response to that, that, that wonder of God, that awesomeness, that is worship. Worship isn't about what I speak. It is about my attitude. And my attitude is revealed through my actions, through my behavior in His presence. So in other words, let me just end it like this. Enter into his gates, so the gates open, and I come in with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts, you're wonderful, oh, you're so glorious. Look how wonderful you are in all the attendance of your throne, and I praise him. But then finally, I am standing before him in his presence. He is sitting right here in front of me. Almighty God. And the dance is not sufficient any longer. And my words are so small. The only correct response of worship in His presence is to get down before Him and just say, I worship you. I worship you. I just stay there until he finally extends his hand and invites me to arise. If we're not careful, we will become a people who might practice thanksgiving. We love to practice praise, but we are losing the art of worship. I have, I, I, I've told myself from now on, when you pray, you just be sure you always, right? When I was a kid, Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. We don't even hardly do that anymore. And yet, it's because we're acknowledging Him. It's what the Word shows. I've got a church full of people that will come and stand in an altar. Very few that will come and kneel.
few weeks ago, I finished preaching and I invited our, my assistant pastor and his wife to come and close out with prayer. I had been preaching about this for a while, but it was so powerful. I handed her the microphone and she just suddenly got down on the floor. And when she did, the power of God felt so powerful. And when I opened my eyes, all over that building, people were laid out in the aisles, laid out on the floor. Not a word had yet been spoken, but somebody began to worship. And in the silence of that action, there was a visitation that was so powerful. Now, we've already thanked him. and We've praised him a little bit. But as you stand with me, just stand with me. Hope this is okay. I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Whether you want to kneel where you are or kneel at this altar, or come lay yourself out before the Lord, or maybe physically the best you can do is simply bow your head, then that's okay. That's all right. But in some way, you say, Lord, I have said thank you. Maybe you want to do that again. Lord, I've praised you. But now I want to worship you. I want to humble myself before you. Worship you. And I believe as we begin to do that, here's what I believe. God can heal. God can deliver. God can arise and his enemies be scattered. There can be miracles and signs and wonders in the midst of silence as you begin to find a place to worship. Go ahead and however you want to do, wherever is appropriate for you, just begin to put in practice that worship for a few moments tonight.